0: Winston, what's up? I got it synced up so that we're live already.
1: Oh wow, perfect, perfect timing,
0: very perfect. Oh. Where are you at? I like your little Winston cave that you have there.
1: Yeah, I'm at the I'm at the Southern, which is like a rock venue in Charlottesville. We're doing our uh, live stream tonight at eight o'clock. So I came here early to set up and knock out this show with you oh, that- beforehand.
0: That's cool. That's cool. So you're in uh, North Carolina right now. How much comedy have you been able to do with all this stuff going on? I've
1: been doing a lot of online stuff. I'm in Charlottesville, not Charlotte. Oh, uh, sorry. It's all good. Let me try to fix this audio real quick so I can hear you a little better. Let me change here. All right. I think I should be able to hear you better now. I've done one show in person. In the last hundred and like seven uh days, but the rest have been I've done a shitload of like uh a lot of Zoom shows, a lot of online open mics and stuff like that.
0: How's that been? I haven't done an online open mic.
1: Uh it's different, man. It's not the same uh thing, but uh like I've met like a hundred new comics that I didn't know before this, made connections like all over the country, and it's a bunch of like it's weird. It's not a lot of super established comics doing it. So it's almost like performing for audiences when you're doing it online on these open mics. Cause it's, you know, how it is, man, you do a bunch of open mics and if you're working on a new joke and the same comics are at the show, they're not going to give you any feedback or anything cause they've heard it uh, a bunch, but none of these people know me and they're fucking paying attention and enjoying the show and, and liking it. And it's been, it's been good for me. It's not the same as a real life show, but it is like, better than sitting around doing fucking nothing.
0: No, I know what you mean about doing it in front of just different comedians because the difference in doing my jokes in Fredericksburg and coming down to Richmond and doing them is uh, just a world's difference Um, because, like you said, somebody is paying attention. It, It just, like, it revives you.
1: Absolutely, man. And these Zoom shows are, like, different comics every show. Like, I got up three times last night doing it. Uh, on Wednesdays I can get up four to five times. So I did, it's crazy. I'm doing like 15 to 20 sets a week. It's not the same as doing them in person, but I've like in the past two months since I've been doing it, I've got like a new 15 minutes of material that I tried at the live show to see if it worked or if it was just me, you know, being a dumbass thinking that zoom was going to be like the real deal and it's not. And it worked in front of real people, man. So I'm like, I'm, I'm excited. It's cool. I hope it sticks around. Even when comedy comes back.
0: So, at least for you, it seems to be proving true. Like it's helping keep you fresh and yeah. uh, keep your cadence and stuff like that. So, when you got back to a regular stage, it was the transition wasn't that hard.
1: It took maybe like a minute or two into my set to like fully get my rhythm back. Cause it is a, the only major difference is like there's a little bit of a delay, like just a fraction of a second because it's over the internet so there's like that minuscule thing that like normal people can't tell but like when you're performing you can fucking tell like even like a slight difference you can just feel it and uh but other than that it took me like a minute and i had like a really good set i got to do like 30 minutes it was awesome it was super fun
0: nice nice and i saw it was outdoor on like uh, it looked like you're on like a loading dock or something yeah it
1: was a loading dock at a bus busky cider in uh in richmond it was it was rad it was awesome so that's really
0: cool So they're doing shows in Richmond again. I know things have been crazy down there.
1: Yeah, dude, it's been uh, absolutely insane. So we got a couple shows. Um, My buddy Mike J runs one on Tuesdays um, at this place called Pops. And then with Busky, I think Busky is going to be twice a month, and that's a book show. But I think a lot of people in Richmond are taking uh, the COVID thing like super seriously. So we just – I think it will be like a while before Richmond has more mics again or like it's even close to – opening back up to having like five or six mics a week
0: so uh, what are what are you doing to be able to use this space at this club to to do the live streams
1: so it's pretty cool like so every monday uh at the southern like on my facebook and their facebook we live stream me and my buddy chris allen doing like a host battle show and like next week chris won't be there so i'm gonna do a different show by myself so it's just me like, I like standing up and being on a real stage. Uh, it just feels good, even if it's just online. And we've got, like, a giant projector behind my laptop so that, like, I can see the gallery view, like, really large. So when we have people in there, we can still do crowd work and, like, fuck around. And then uh, it's just nice, man. The people of the Southern are awesome. My buddy Jayon and Danny, who, like, uh, are, like, the GM and, like, uh, like Booker and stuff like that, they they come in every Monday and are super helpful and we knock it out. Jayon, like, runs uh, – he basically just hangs out and is the guy that's uh, in charge of making sure the sound and everything doesn't sound like shit. Uh, that's it. That's, uh, he's, he kills it at that. It's
0: it's good to see that you guys are still busy and still just keeping up with everything and trying to do whatever you can to, to keep fresh and to keep people laughing and, and just keep people entertained because I feel like that's super important because a lot of people are going stir crazy.
1: Yeah, dude, I'm losing my mind. It's <laughs> – like apps what about y'all i know y'all have like some shows that are going on up there
0: so we did we did a show outside on a patio like right before all the protesting started and then because of like all the protesting we didn't do shows for a couple weeks <clears throat> and then we just started back because now what we've moved into like phase two or phase three so since the occupancy levels have opened up for some of these venues they're uh, allowing us to do open mics again with a limited occupancy and then since um since i know that like these venues are hurting um because nobody's been making money a lot of them probably don't have money for entertainment budget right now um so i think a good piece of advice to any comedians who are out there hungry trying to book shows and get a name for themselves is Try and see if you can book something for free. <laughs> I yeah. mean, um, endear yourself to a venue and then prove that you can sell something out and then use those numbers to come back at them. And when things are a little bit closer to normal and they can afford to book a regular show.
1: Yeah, man, I think that uh, I mean, I, I feel that I've been doing like. It depends on the gig, man, if I'm if, if I'll do stuff for free that I like want to do. So, like, uh, I've been booking some private shows on Zoom where it's, like, uh, I'd send them, like, they send me an offer. I tell them how long I'll, like, do it for that amount. And, like, I've had a couple, like, this lady that runs this um, thing down in Virginia Beach that's, like, for uh, parents of children with autism. She's done, like, two comedy nights where she has a Zoom. She sends me money, and I just kind of sit in, and I just do crowd work for an hour, and I just kind of, like, talk to the people that show up. And those have been great, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't do those for free. Like I wouldn't donate like an hour of my time, but I agree. Like if you want to, if you want stage time super bad and you want to go get in there and have like a live show, I mean, unfortunately you're probably going to have to make some sacrifices with them not having an entertainment budget and just being like, Hey, can we like do something with this shit? Uh, Cause it's better than no stage time at all. But
0: yeah, it's definitely better than no stage time at all, and it's definitely not a piece of advice I would give a, to a comic uh, at your tier, because you're like a, a a tier or two above me, um at least. But to someone that's at my level or lower, like if you're hungry, I don't know if you really want to get your name out there, try something weird, I see if you can get your if you can get your foot in the door somewhere, why not?
1: Yeah, exactly, and I would I would really recommend if you're a comic and you want to perform and cause I'll see a bunch of people be stuff like, Oh man, zoom's not real comedy. It's not the same. I'm not ever going to say that the shit is the same at all, but like to use it to like, if you're getting up, cause you guys have a Tuesday night and a Thursday night, right? Like open mic. Yeah. So like about
0: to be kind of rotating. So we have every, it's going to be every Thursday in, in July.
1: Okay. So you got like, one or two shows a week you can get up on, which is, which is pretty cool. But like if you could, in addition to that, get up 10 times online, why would you like not do it? You can practice the jokes in front of comics for those 10 times and you won't and you'll get some feedback and you can tighten the jokes. and then you got the two times a week where you're in person and see if you're like making any, any progress. Like I, I, I'm a huge proponent of these Zoom online open mics purely because when regular stand-up comes back, I can't wait to be in a world where I'm doing two shows on a Friday night and when I get off stage, I can log on to Zoom and knock out another two open mics before I get on stage again. Like just the, it's just more stage time for everybody. And it's not as good as stage time. It's not the same, but it is better than sitting around and just writing and not having anyone to bounce your ideas off of.
0: Right. And then like in those times that you said where you would be doing Zoom shows before or after live shows, it's a good like... It's a good warm-up. You know what I mean?
1: Get you in the zone, man. I I will say it's so true because I'll, like, last night when I did three, um, my third set was the best because I was just, like, kind of in the mood by that time happened. And, like, the times overlap, so I, like, hopped from one Zoom room to another Zoom room, and it had that feel of, like, if you're in a town that's got multiple open mics in a night and you're just asking showrunners, like, I got to go early. I'm going late on this other show. and You don't even have to fucking put pants on, man. It's fucking rad.
0: (laughs) So dope. (laughs) are you wearing pants right now i
1: changed Uh, into pants i had shorts on when i got here but i was like i'm doing uh, a show so i'm like i'm gonna put real fucking pants on
0: so that's still a rule of thumb for zoom comedy shows is don't wear shorts
1: for for me it is just because it's like i don't it didn't feel right i've done a couple with shorts on and i'm just like i already feel shitty sitting in my car doing it or like like i don't know like doing it on my phone with like some shitty headphones and uh and but like for me all the things that i can control i just feel better when i have pants on so let's (laughs) let's feel better man like it's so little we can control in comedy (laughs) So, so just
0: in life recently i've been getting to a point where i don't like being in shorts in public unless i'm like there you go going for a jog or going for a swim or something i don't know i just feel like immature and Maybe it's just cargo shorts. Maybe it's the cargo Maybe, shorts. Maybe. Yeah.
1: It might be just you have too many pockets, man. Like, I think if you either <laughs> added some nice legs to those shorts or get you some fucking less pockets, I think you'd be feeling pretty good, man.
0: <laughs> is that so? Should I accentuate the long legs? I was thinking my long legs are what is making it look goofy. It Maybe, shorts? but
1: like if you look goofy it's comedy man who gives a shit if you look fucking goofy you're tall you're a wildebeest man you're a huge <laughs> dude you gotta fucking own it man i'm like five nine and a half if i had like crazy long legs i'd be wearing booty shorts on stage Jesus, <laughs> it out, I'm owning it <laughs>
0: oh my god but yeah then it's like if you have shorts you have to write jokes about it like you have yeah. to acknowledge it
1: Dude, I I I won't lie. It is like one of my least favorite things to see at an open mic is uh, I because I and you know this might not be right. If a comic gets on with shorts on stage, like mentally my mind just kind of checks out, because I'm just like this motherfucker doesn't give a shit about what's going on uh right now. They're not trying. Come on, put some get some fucking pants, Scott. Come on, (laughs) get some goddamn pants. Get the tearaways. Get the tearaways. the breakaways yeah. like
0: we're in
1: the NBA. Yeah, get some breakaways that go from uh, capris to shorts. That's what you need. You can, <laughs> you can show your ankle. That's fine. You can oh, show boy. your
0: ankle. <laughs> Where oh, are man. you based out of? Winston? Are you in Charlottesville? Or are, I know you're in Charlottesville now, but is Richmond or Charlottesville? I'm kind of like
1: no? in between. I like live in the country, but like I just um, got a room in DC. So in July, I'm moving to DC. So I will be based out of uh the nation's capital uh during covid starting next month so uh i'm excited it'll be it'll be a big change i'm nervous about it but i've been doing stand up like 5 years and it really feels like it's time to like make that next move to try to make something happen
0: yeah that is when you're from the areas that we're from uh that's definitely the next move is the dc market so do you already have a <coughs> excuse me do you already have like some ends up there a network
1: yeah i've like um so like i already <coughs> uh when every when everything's happening like i like I, I can get up some at big hunt um i can get up some at draft house and like i work at dc improv pretty regularly and i've done a few shows at the dc comedy loft so like i i know a bunch of really awesome comics up there i go up there a lot i've worked magoobies which is a comedy club that's like close to baltimore but it's not but it's not a uh, uh, baltimore so like all that stuff i luckily have like already like I just put forth the effort to like do the drive that you need to do to get up there, even though I live so far away. And now that I've made those inroads to those places, I'm like excited to kind of see how far it can carry me when I'm going to be someone that can be hit up at a minute's notice, as opposed to like, I kind of needed to know in the morning so I could make a fucking three hour drive after work.
0: Right, right, right. And then also it's going to be good just to go up there into that setting and pick up your momentum up there and then get to a point where you're making all the networking and meeting with all the people that you are in Charlottesville and Richmond, and then start establishing your own shows and things like that. Yeah, absolutely,
1: man. I'm, and I'm excited because I've got such good. The Southerns really awesome here, so it's like my home base. They uh, when everything's going on, they got an open mic every Monday. That's why we're doing the live stream on Mondays. Uh, we do a bunch of really good book shows here, and it's the type of thing where like they do the book show like once a month anyway. So I'll still be able to come back and participate in those and, like, help book people and do those shows. And I'll also be able to, like, come back to Richmond when I need to and also help those guys when they come up to D.C. and they either need a place to crash or just need someone to, like, point them out in the right direction and shit, man. Like, I'm I'm excited. And it gets me this much closer to New York. I'm like, a be a bus ride away. I can't wait. Yeah, I was going to ask what your
0: next hop was because you seem like you're not the type to stay in one place, so.
1: It'll be it'll be New York um, after D.C. I think we'll see. I, I I don't even necessarily know if you need to go to New York or L.A. to get a career anymore after COVID happens. Like I don't know what's gonna happen with so much stuff being remote. I don't. I, this might be a year. This might be two years before because like I've heard stuff where like the comedy cellar might not open up until after the first of the year. Like which would be insane in New York because if they're not opening up, I don't see a, a lot of other places doing it either. So we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, New York would be the nice next move just because of how much you can get up. And that's just the Mecca for comedy, man. You're either a New York or an L.A. guy. Those are the two Meccas. And you just got to figure out what your vibe is for what for what you like to do.
0: So you think your vibe is New York? Why why do you think your vibe is New York more than – because you've been to the comedy store. You've done time at the comedy store.
1: Yeah, I did something in the belly room, and I mean it's not fucking crazy. It was the show that I didn't know was a bringer show, but it was a bringer show. So I got to go up, like, at the very end of this shitty fucking bringer show after the headliner who ran over time and was, like, kind of a piece of shit or whatever. Uh, So, like, yeah, I've worked the comedy store, but I don't know, man. I just don't like – L.A. I was out there and uh, I think if you're not already a name, I don't I I don't know, man. It was L.A. was so big and it took so long to get from one side of L.A. to the other that, like, even though there's so many shows going on in L.A., due to traffic and the size of it, it is really hard to get up more than two or three times a night. Uh, And I want to go to somewhere like New York where there's the possibility of like I can get up two to four times a night in D.C. So. Like, why would I go to L.A. with so much more expensive when I can just go to New York, which may be more expensive, but it's like you can get up six or seven times every night. So you're five minutes. You could like crank out a new five minutes every week if you're doing five sets a night. That's 35 sets. That's enough time to like get a solid three to four minutes of new material.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's something I want to talk to you about, too, about like trying to figure out your material, because I got to a point where I'm I feel like I'm writing too much material. And trying to do like a new trying to do like a new five or a new ten every week instead yeah, of too much. Instead of like doing an act that I already have kind of coordinated from other 20 minute, 10 minute acts that I've done, and then slipping in a new
1: joke to see how it works. Yeah, I mean like there's there's a weird line. Like I'm pretty lucky in that I can like uh I can turn over material pretty quickly, but like not everybody can. Like I can turn over pretty good material, pretty fast. Like, like I said, the zoom in the past two months of just doing zoom shows, I've got a new 15 minutes that, that works really well and is, and is, and is really good. But like outside of that, I'm always a proponent of like, if I've got something, I really want to try, I, this is a better analogy. I think this will be the best way to, to do it. I'm, I'm, when I'm adding so much stuff so frequently, it's almost like it's, A conveyor belt. So you've got like the first joke that you put down and you might have tried that one on Monday. And so now I'm going to try that one on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then hopefully it's close to finished on the following Monday, but it's still in my open mic set the following Monday. But now I've added four new minutes of jokes and it's the same process. So like by the next day, the one that works is gone and it's just constantly trying to like take pieces out that are finished while adding brand new pieces cuz although it can be fun sometimes especially if you've got a longer looser set to do like 5 to 10 to 15 minutes of brand brand new stuff it's not super productive like pulling stuff in and out like how do you keep track of your material what do you what do you do like what what do you do you notebooks do you use an app what do you got i have several
0: notebooks i have several composition books that are just like chaos and then what i've done is i've gone back and either, either before I did the laptop, I would go back and then like skim through and find my jokes and then write my entire act that I was going to do, whether it was like new material, old material, I would do it like that. Recently what I've done is I've gone back and I've just inputted my notebooks, like six of them word for word into my laptop. Wow. And then gone from there and organized it to like, these are my drug jokes. These are my religion jokes. These are about dating. These are, you know, um, these are my unused jokes. These are yeah. miscellaneous jokes.
1: Yeah, everybody has like a different, yet equally insane way of keeping up with their material. It is uh, like all comedy is is a bunch of fucking unibombers uh, that. <laughs> Can't agree on how to write our manifesto, uh, so we do it. So do you use the OneNote app? I tell everybody about the OneNote app. The, this comic, Matthew Deacons, I will always give him credit. Matt Deacons, he's a great comic. He's based out of D.C. He's one of my really good friends. He introduced me to the OneNote app a couple years ago. Um, it is the best way to keep track of your material. It's cloud-based. You can access it through your laptop or through your phone, it's from Microsoft, so you know it's not gonna be some third-party thing that gets taken off the fucking servers because it goes under, Uh, and it's free. So I'll show it on the laptop. The way my shit is set up is, uh, oh, it's too bright, but it's got like bits, um, and I click on the bits thing, and then my bits are separated into premises I need to try, stuff that I'm working on and tried once, old jokes that I need to revisit, finished jokes, clean jokes, one-liners, transition notes, so, like, stuff trying to, like, do segues and stuff, uh, trying to put things together as an hour, how to order my material, and all all this shit, but, like, it's just so nice to have it where it's like, okay, I want to try a brand new thing tonight, but I didn't come up with anything today. Let me click on my premises. I got, like, 90 things in there. I can grab one, try it. If it kind of works, I'll move that into the stuff I'm working on pile, and then just slowly – just seeing a quick visual representation of your progress will make you write more. It'll make you write better, and it will like keep you from just doing new shit all the fucking time. Because you can fuck yourself by doing too much new shit, man. I've done it. I've done it before, where you just bomb for like fucking three and a half weeks, uh, and you lose your rhythm a little bit. Everybody does it. But just trying to find what works right, what works right for you, man. But if you're doing like 10 new minutes every week, that's too. That's too fucking much, dude. You know, you're not, you don't get up enough to do that. Like if you got to be getting up, like Bill Burr amounts to be, because if you're headlining and doing an hour, the people will not care if you do 45 minutes of old stuff and then just throw 15 brand new minutes in there. They don't give a shit at all, but you got to make the most of your five to 10 minutes every night. For sure.
0: So you think I should just be like, you know it sucks for the other comedians that see me every week but you think i should be just tightening you know like act a act b act c
1: and well you have to figure out like are you doing stand-up because you give a shit what those other comedians think right why, why are you doing it like i do it of course i want my peers and stuff to respect me but like I've done it long enough that I get the game. It's like I have people that really respect me and fuck with my comedy, but they might not laugh every time just cuz they've heard it. That's not them saying I fucking suck, it's just them like it's a it's a, they've heard it a bunch. So, once I got over that anxiety, it really helped me a lot to be like I, Anthony Johnson said it best, man. I don't I every I everything I write, I write because I think it's funny, but everything I keep, I keep because the audience thinks it's funny. So everything that's in my act is shit that me and the audience both think is funny. And I don't really, if the comics aren't laughing at an open mic set, it can be frustrating and upsetting, especially if it's just comics in there and you're like, fucking help me out. But we're all comics, man. We can't help it. If you see the same shit over and over again, sometimes the act is more important like than the laughter. Honestly, at that point, like the cheap laughs you could get from playing to the back of the room that shit doesn't fucking matter when you're trying to work clubs and, and like headline small rooms and just build your way up. The audience is the only thing that matters.
0: Okay. I got you. And and it hasn't just been like playing to other comedians too, but it's also been just overwhelming myself or me wanting to try new stuff. And then I go out there and do like 80, 20 new stuff. And then, you know, something I know works.
1: I mean, 50, 50 is a pretty good mix, man. Like, uh, 80-20 80-20 is a little too much. And, I, and I'm, yeah, I'm not saying you're trying to play the back through. Them. that's just a more general advice using you as a jumping off point for for other people, because that's something I would do. I would want people to – I want the comics to like what I'm doing. And then I realize that afterwards, there's comics who I really like what they're doing, but I don't necessarily always laugh. So, like, that doesn't mean – just because you know what I mean? So, like, I think that 50-50 is kind of the way to go because you can open with something you know always works or something that you're working on that works pretty regularly do two and a half minutes in the middle that are brand new and then try to get off stage with a laugh with a joke that usually works you just fucking sandwich that that new shit in in there and then you get the feeling of oh i had a good set but also that shit in the middle fucking works that new thing in the middle worked holy shit fuck yeah
0: right i like that it's really good advice because that it'll help you keep your cadence too. Cause that's another thing is I've just been going out and trying new stuff. Either I'm being like too long winded or too wordy. Um, or I'm just, I don't have like my regular joke cadence. So I'm like, where's my voice at? Where's the voice that I had before, yeah. like I stopped doing comedy.
1: And that'll constantly be evolving. Like I said, I'm five years in and I feel like my rhythm changes every few weeks. And then sometimes I'll get in a good groove and I'll be great. But to me, the toughest part is like when I first get a joke or an idea because I write on stage a lot, it's really wordy. I'm trying to get around to stuff. And then the next, for the, most, for the most part, is me figuring out, okay, how can I eliminate these words and make the joke still work? So I'm a, I'm a wordy fucking guy, especially when I work out uh, new material. So I totally, totally get that, man.
0: No, this is all like really solid advice, Winston. That's, uh, that's one thing I Hell like yeah. about you. You're one of the first like paid comedians that I've ever seen. Um, when I first started going to open mics and live comedy shows, you were one of the people that came to the show. That's actually, you know, was hosting your own shows at the time and had been a paid comedian around the state in North Carolina and stuff like that, Maryland. Um, and you were always very helpful to the younger comics, uh, myself included. And I wanted to
1: thank you for that. No, no problem, man. It's all about comedy is all about like uh, paying it forward. Like like I've never done anything that like um, my buddy, Chris Allen, who's my mentor, he did the exact same thing for me when I started. He was like, when I started doing comedy, I met him like a month and a half after I started. He had just moved to Charlottesville, Um, Richmond. I didn't feel super welcome in Richmond because I was like kind of an outsider coming from the country and it took me a while to kind of like get my bearings there. But Chris saw me once he'd been doing comedy like six years. He'd been first in Vegas and then Dayton and he had opened for people and he'd worked clubs and he kind of got like how to do it. Um, and he had no reason to, but he was just so fucking nice to me and made me feel comfortable and helped. And like, he started this whole thing in Charlottesville and like, he let me be a part of like trying to build the scene in Charlottesville. And we have really good shows every week and, or we did and and really awesome stuff once a month. And And he just kind of, Chris just kind of instilled to in me that like, this is what it's all about, man. There's times where I can't answer everybody's question or I can't always help. But like if someone DMs me a comedy question, I always message them back. Hey, I'll get back to you as soon as possible. And I'll try to answer this for you because I just love talking about comedy, man, because I was at I was at your place at one point, man. I was fucking new. Everybody was fucking new. I still got a long way to go and and I get better by helping other people. Like, it's right. like, I don't know. It's how you become a better person. And it's just how you become a better comic is helping other people. I truly well, believe that.
0: No. Yeah. I like what you said about that and helping yourself in that way, not to be a, not to turn this idea into a selfish thing. Cause you're right. Comedy is very much about passing the buck and paying it forward. Um, but there is like, not just a comedy, but life when you're giving people advice or, you know, trying to help someone in a therapeutic way or whatever it is, there's a there's a certain game of mirror that you're playing in reflection you know as you're telling that person as you're telling me all that advice that you're telling me about comedy you're also reminding yourself
1: yeah man and uh, and i and i don't take it as you being like oh that's like the flip it into a selfish thing but it is very much like i get a lot of joy in helping new comics i get a lot of joy in helping my friends who are comedians because i'm a firm believer that like do I want to be the best comic on a show? Absolutely. But I want to be the best comic on a show where everybody's a fucking great comic. I don't want yeah. to be the best comic on a shitty show. I want fucking all these comics that I know to come up and just murder one after the other. And then I got to go up and I just want to kill harder than that. But like right. I, I, I want to be the best of the best, not the the best. And then like, oh, fuck you. I don't want to help anybody else. It's like, nah, man, fucking fuck that dude The rising tide raises all ships buddy that's what that's how it works
0: hell yeah and another thing about that too is like you you want to be on a good show because you want the crowd to have a good time yeah a big a big part of what we're doing is we're like healers man whether we want we get some joy out of making people laugh
1: yeah it rules it feels as like a fucking drug man it feels great <laughs> It feels so good. Like my, my and my mindset about comedy has changed so much over the last 5 years. Like I used to be somebody very much that was like I just I don't care what the diversity on the show is. I think it should just be the best funniest people. Fuck that. Diverse shows are better shows. That's just how comedy works. I do so much better when I'm on a diverse show purely because If you go to a comedy show and it's seven dudes that look just like me, you might not really be able to fuck with what I'm doing or I have to try to be even more different. But if I'm on a show and there's a killer trans comic or there's a killer gay comic, a killer black comic, a lady, like a Hispanic guy, if they're on the show and then you got me and a couple other white guys, everybody sticks out, man. And you learn so much from those other comics. So I I used to be like, we don't need diversity. I want really good diverse shows man that's how you have good fucking comedy man it's well,
0: that, and that's one of the things about the comedy scene is it's so diverse because you know comedy comes from all places um a lot of comedy comes from pain and pay- everybody suffers it's just part of the human condition
1: yeah for real um, man
0: so yeah for, that's for that's my favorite thing about comedy is is all the different all the different backgrounds of people that you maybe would have never really interacted with in the first place. Um, and now a lot of them are, you know, your best friends.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. I've, it's really opened my eyes to so much stuff and I've learned so much from so many different, different people that I just didn't know when I started doing comedy. Like I have the most diverse group of friends I've ever had, uh, in my life. And it's made me reflect on a lot of stuff that I've done in my past. A lot of like thoughts that I've had in my past and I've had to reflect and grow and change and dude my comedy is so much better because I know all these different people like I think I'm a pretty good comic and I wouldn't be the comic that I'm right now if I didn't have like Chris who's like a, a a married black guy with a kid or I didn't have like all my other friends and shit like that man my friend group is diverse as shit and I love it
0: virtue signaling Winston
1: yeah I'm virtue signaling baby it's what you gotta do you need <laughs> diversity baby you need it
0: Oh <laughs> uh, no I, no i totally agree with you though because and it's also been good because i'm i'm fucking hippie man so it's also been good to be around like uh people that are in the military or have worked in law enforcement people that yeah. are lean more right than i do or more conservative than i am to hear their outlooks on not, not just on stage but in conversation and stuff um yeah it's healthy not to live entirely in an echo chamber.
1: Yeah, I agree. Cause it's like, it's, it informs your opinions. And if you live in an echo chamber, you start to think of like those groups of people as others. And that kind of makes you even get farther and farther apart. We're like having, I've been having some really tough, honest conversations with a lot of old friends and a lot of like family members and stuff that just view stuff a little bit differently than I do. But like, I still love those people, man. I don't view them as, other they're just a different experience and they don't have the experiences that i have and so i'm going to try to do some of the legwork and sh- share with them my experiences and talk to them you know empathetically and try to make actual fucking positive change
0: yeah you're an educator too uh by trade yeah, yeah. so you you know the importance of just trying to educate someone instead of uh shame them and just belittle them um
1: yeah, especially because I was ignorant as shit man I was an ignorant dumb fucking moron It's like yeah don't, don't fucking like, yeah. I'm not going to shame this person and feel like shit Because if, if I was judged on who I was Before I started doing comedy man It's like I would be a fucking asshole And I wouldn't have any of the friends that I have But people got to be allowed to change But when given the option to change They got to fucking take it
0: That's yeah. the only thing
1: you can, yeah, I, don't, okay. I don't stand by with fucking assholes but.
0: Yeah because whatever you're not changing You're choosing
1: yeah that's a choice man and I promise everybody that's listening uh i I don't uh normally uh talk this much shit uh about this shit I'm usually uh funnier uh, I promise I'm usually pretty good at comedy It doesn't usually get this serious uh in my data in my day to day no
0: you're just dropping a lot of data right now I love it <laughs> you you are a hilarious comedian you're you are very funny. Gentlemen.
1: Yeah, anyone that's listening to this is just like, no, this guy's a fucking. What is, this, what is this shit doing? <laughs>
0: <laughs> the podcast is weird, so it's it's hard to like force funny. I don't know. It's just a natural conversation. Like we we get in this stimulated. Like we're it, it's like we're both reading a book. Yeah, and we're trading all this information with each other, and it, it pumps you up. Um, and you kind of lose sight of like make funny, make laugh.
1: Yeah. And I and I think that, like, even if we'd had this talk like a year, a year and a half ago, like before my dad passed away, I think I would have felt more inclined to just be trying to make jokes the entire fucking time. But like I have become way more sincere the last year. I've got like a a weekly podcast where me and another friend who both lost our uh, fathers to pancreatic cancer. We just talk about grief and use comedy and the comedy comes naturally uh, during that. But I promise anyone listening, if you come to a show, it is 100% comedy. It is <laughs> it is all jokes the entire time, <laughs> not making points. What's uh, the name of your podcast? Fun.
0: Where can people find your podcast? Oh,
1: man. I didn't uh, know about that. Yeah, you can find that podcast. It's called Dead Dad Comedy Pod, and it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play Music. And just every week uh, – we might interview like we interviewed this comic that I'm good friends with who uh, his girlfriend uh, took her life in, uh, over Thanksgiving this past year. And we just talked about the grieving process. And it's it's purely about how to deal with grief through comedy. And I, if you have lost someone or, you know, someone that's lost someone or you're just trying to, like, figure out if it's OK to feel certain ways. It's been pretty fun and cathartic uh, to go through and talk about what this whole process has been like. Uh, for me Um, so I've had a lot of people reach out and they really dig it I just have to be better about promoting that one just because it's pretty fucking it's a pretty sincere thing and it's the first time we're like I'm talking about real shit but also being funny so it's pretty good it's the hardest I've ever laughed is during that during that show about some really fucked up shit but it is like it's cathartic and it's good man
0: That does sound very cathartic. And the polarity of emotion when you're talking about something that somber and somebody cracks a joke, um, it will make you laugh harder than you've ever laughed.
1: Harder, man. Like when someone can make you laugh and you're on the verge of crying, like when you're like teetering on that uncontrollable emotion and then someone says something and then you just start laugh crying, dude, it's fucking amazing. It's so it's so fun. And it's helped me grow and work on meditation and mindfulness and, and therapy uh, and stuff like that. So I'm definitely uh, a way different person than I was a year ago, and it's made me a much better comic, which is super dope.
0: Um, meditation and mindfulness is something that I've been working on too. I've been trying to block my time, and that's something that's a big part of what I'm doing because um, I'm trying to better myself as well.
1: Hell yeah, man. So you
0: say, you say it's made you a better comic. A lot of comics worry about – Fixing themselves, their depression, their trauma that they'll, uh, won't be funny anymore. You think that's
1: it's, insane to me?
0: You think that's it's like, uh, like a shadow work that you've done?
1: I think it's just like when people's, I don't know, man. I don't think being fucking sad is what makes people funny. Like, I don't think that that's like what it, what it is. Cause it's like, I have always been pretty funny and I didn't deal with a lot of depression until I got into my mid twenties and then I started doing comedy was still funny. And now that I've worked on a bunch of stuff, even though I've got my own problems, I see a therapist every other week, pretty much sometimes once a month, I try to like, even if I don't remember to meditate, just take moments throughout the day to just like be present and understand what's going on. I've got issues, but I'm way happier than I've been in like a long time. And I, my writing's better because I think that like, it's a lot easier to connect with an audience when you're like more in tune with what you have going on uh, mentally.
0: Right. When you're in touch with yourself, because like, like I said earlier, we're all kind of playing a game with a mirror with each other. So if you can't love yourself, if you can't be in tune with yourself, then how can you be in tune with this conversation or with a crowd of people?
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. How Like, how can I? But like also like now that, like it makes it more OK for me to make fun of myself because I'm more secure in myself to make fun of my flaws and stuff that I would maybe feel like I needed to hide. Like I am in the process now of working on a special that is like uh, my dad's one year anniversary of his passing was like two weeks ago. So over the past year, I, I had written like 15 to 20 minutes of jokes about his death. They were all like dead dad jokes. So on the one year anniversary, I visited his grave for the first time and I performed all that material to him at the grave. I did the material in front of the audience at Busky and um, coming up soon. I'm going to do a zoom show with all that material and all the people in the audience are going to be people that have lost someone. So it's going to be an audience full of people that are grieving and I'm going to edit it all together. Uh, and the guy that's making the poster for it um, is comedy artwork. He's done stuff for Mark Norman, Dan Soder, uh, done like a bunch of their posters uh, and shit like that. So like, I don't know, it's something where like, I would have never done this. And its I think it's the best and smartest material I've ever written uh, if I didn't work on myself and was going to therapy and figuring out shit like that.
0: That's really powerful, man. And that is a really genius idea. You're going to kind of splice them together like that, um, like that Chris Rock special?
1: Yeah, it'll be like the Rock special and like um, Maria Bamford has a special where she's doing it in front of different groups of people. But this will be more like it'll be – I'm going to purely edit together which one I think has the most powerful response. So like there'll be a scene where I'm doing one of the jokes and it's just me talking sincerely to my dad with no jokes. And then I'll cut to the set at Busky where I'm doing the next joke in the set where you can hear laughter from different camera angles. And then I might switch to the Zoom show where I'm planning on doing some crowd work with people that have lost uh, each other. And hopefully it'll be this weird 45 to 50 minute like comedy thing that might be more art than comedy but it's like gonna be something hopefully that's really powerful but i stand by all those fucking jokes man i do those jokes in clubs i've done those jokes in, bar- uh, sorry i've done those jokes in bars and it doesn't matter or it hasn't mattered where i am that shit fucking works like that material is good material so i'm pretty stoked on it
0: now, i already know that's going to be good like i can feel it coming off you when you talk about it and i can I can kind of see the idea in my head the way it crosses over you're, I love when something like that comes to, you're like a maestro
1: yeah dude it's it feels cool to like I'm doing all the editing um and shit uh so it's going to probably be out by the end of July hopefully and I'm sure it's probably going to be pulling my fucking hair out trying to get it done but just like making a thing during quarantine that's good and positive positive. And, like, if people want to see me doing crowd work or they want to see me doing just funny stuff, I can send them to my YouTube. But if you're someone that enjoys more powerful works of art or whatever, like, you want to feel some shit and not just laugh, I'll have this for them, too. I like doing stuff for everybody, man. Clean, dirty churches. I like making fucking everybody laugh. So having something for everybody is something that's, like, very important to me, uh, like, for, for my comedy.
0: Yeah, 100%, dude. I, I like making everybody laugh, too. Um, <clears throat> Just it usually doesn't always come out for everybody.
1: Yeah, it happens, man. And, that, and that's all part of it. Like, you're not going to kill for everybody uh, all the time. But, like, if you're trying, it just makes you a better comic. It makes you easier to get booked. And I don't know, man. All my favorite artists go through different periods, dude. Like, every Kanye album doesn't sound like the previous Kanye album. And he's a fucking genius. So I think that, like, sometimes... For comedians especially, we don't really appreciate when they evolve um, all the time, and I'm hoping that I'm evolving and can work all these different rooms, but just like I like that right now I'm in quarantine, I'm pretty depressed and sad about my dad's passing, and instead of just being fucking down about it, I'm going to make this cool thing, and hopefully it'll be like a stone that I can like step across and then go to whatever the next part of my comedic journey is.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, I haven't actually got to, like, finish a project yet or, like, uh, I, I haven't done, like, a special or anything, you know what I mean? So it's going to be cool. I was talking to my friend who's a musician about how he can make music and put it out and then it's out there, you know what I mean? It's it's done. Um, you can perform the songs at shows and stuff like that, but you can kind of look back on the sequence and... You've created a project. It's a finished project. And with my comedy right now, it just seems like it's just all, it's amorphous. It's like the clouds.
1: Yeah. And you'll, and you'll figure it out. But like everybody I think should feel that way, man. I released an album my second year in comedy and that was too early for me to release an album. Like it's a thing that looking back on it, I'm like, man, for a dude that's two years into comedy, that's a pretty good album. But like, I would never, now I wouldn't release that. Like if I had had it saved and I waited, I'd be like, no, it's not it's not good enough. But like it's it's okay to release stuff that in the future you'll look back and think is shitty. That's fine. Like finishing shit is so much more like fucking I got this album. Maybe 200 people have listened to it. It didn't affect their opinion of my comedy at all. You know what I mean? Like it didn't ruin me. But now I've got this cool album that like my dad got to listen to my album before he passed away. And I think that's fucking cool. So like small stuff like that, finishing a project is always really fun. Just getting it out there, whether or not you got people that are hating on you or just like not vibing with what you're doing.
0: Yeah. Not that working on it isn't fulfilling, but uh, once you get it done, and I mean, I've, I've had prod, like, you know, I've had 20 minute sets and yeah. feature sets that I, were coming up that I had to work hard on and remember.
1: And then it feels good.
0: Yeah, it feels good when you go up there and and say all your jokes in the proper sequence and hit all your spots and your your tags and stuff like that.
1: But you got this. It's not just stand up. You've got this podcast. Like this is a thing that you're doing. Each episode you have to take the time to get the guest, figure out kind of what you want the conversation to go, lead a conversation, and then when it's done, it's done. You you did it. There's just something like cool about doing something, whether it's as small as like when you finally finish that one joke you've been working on for three weeks, like you get the one wording, it's just something satisfying. And like that satisfaction of getting shit done feels fucking great.
0: Well, it's like every little brick that you lay towards building, you know, your castle, your, your goal of being a stand-up comedian or entertainer, um, whatever it is. So when you're right, when you do your podcast, you know, the dead dad, uh, comedy pod, and you line up the episode and kind of figure out what you want to talk about and, and you do it. And it's a good episode. It was stimulating when you get done. It's you can't go to bed.
1: Yeah. You know, it's like, I did this shit, man. I made this, uh, I made this today and I don't want people to think, I think I'm a fucking brilliant, amazing comedian. Like I don't think I'm going to not like, here's the comedy, such a crap shoot. I'll probably never have a career, but man, it feels good to like, no matter what happens at the end of the day when I have kids or whatever, I'll have things to be like, this is what your dad used to do. And they'll be like, oh, shit, Holy, you have a fucking album, dad? That's crazy. And I'm like, yeah, I have an album. Don't say fuck in the house. And uh, <laughs> it's like your mother's in here. Uh, what are you doing? But I'm still, yeah, st- I don't know. I'm just ex- I'm excited now because, like, I've been excited to do this podcast because I love doing podcasts. And I've been excited to, like, I got a live stream after this. And I got an open mic at 11 online. I just love that I got shit I'm doing tonight. And it's lined up and just fucking talking real shit. And we're talking comedy, man. It's great.
0: No, I love it, dude. I love your energy, too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It's easy Give to be excited when you're standing up. I feel like I'm performing. It's <laughs> like, what's up, guys? Can I do five?
0: Right, right. I've noticed that, too, that you got, like, the director's chair there and that you were standing up and sitting down.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm so fucking fidgety, man. Like it's. I feel like I'm on stage right now, and I'm moving the same way I do when I'd be, like, on this stage. Uh, <laughs> it's fun.
0: Know, um, that hey, it keeps you loose, right? You got a microphone in your hand, you're bouncing yeah. around. Yep. That, that's another thing about the Zoom, too. That I think you know, maybe you're not considering is you're getting more comfortable in front of a camera and more natural in front of a camera and not even really catching it. And, um, that's going to help translate, too, because even stand up comedians, it can't just be stand up comedy, you know yeah, what I mean? Man. You're going to have to do a sketch comedy and movies I yep. saw Moshe Kosher at the DC Improv and he was talking about he's how great. he's hilarious um but he was talking about how he had a job on like a a movie set for it was like a night at the museum movie and he was one of the people that will like kind of run in an improv lines like what if you said this what if you said that what if you yeah. did this what if you did that um voiceovers you know there's so many different things there's In a lot the of realm. lanes
1: that you can fill when you're creative and funny. There's a lot of different things, but you just got to try it, man. That's why, like, I'm doing the editing on the special thing, and I do like I've done like taste testing videos with my mom, and I got this podcast, and I got a game show podcast, and I've got. This Monday live stream and I, I do this writing session live stream every Sunday where if you're a comic and you want to come hang out on Zoom, it's an hour. I do crowd work with all the comics for an hour, but like during the crowd work, I'll be like, Scott, do you have a new joke you want to pitch? And then you'll pitch your joke and we'll riff it together to see if we can come up with something with it and then I'll go, go to something else. So just doing different stuff, getting comfortable. Uh, I, I, I have really used this quarantine to like figure out what the fuck I want to do. And oh, do, yeah, be yeah. okay dude but Moshe Casher is great like he's fucking I want to talk about him for a minute um, His I think it's his um, do you listen to the podcast the good one or a good one it's like a podcast about jokes no dude no. this guy is great so he has he brings a stand-up comic or a comedy director or a screenwriter on every week they take a joke from one of their projects and they talk about that joke for an hour and it's fucking amazing. It's just called good one. A podcast about jokes. It is I cannot recommend it enough. It's my favorite. It's my favorite podcast. He had Moshe Kasher on, and Moshe Kasher talks about what he likes to do on stage, and it really made me feel better about what I do on stage because he said he used to just he did a special where it was just jokes, like for forty-five minutes. But he realized that that's not the type of comic he is. The type of comic he is is he wants to do like half crowd work and half material, and just hearing him talk about how that's okay to do it's helped me get over my anxiety about being a comic that does a bunch of crowd work and people thinking I'm a hack or anything like that. When it's just like, no, you just do what you do do better. Just do it as good as you can. So like, he's great. He does things the way I like to do them, which is crowd work mixed with material to make a unique show every time you perform.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, even with, I, I try to stay pretty rigid to my act, but if you can, if something witty comes to mind in between there, if there's a funny observation that you can make on the environment or the crowd or whatever to, because um, that, that helps you connect with everybody. Everyone can see that.
1: Yeah. With whatever stuff's going on in the room, but it's just like, if I'm doing an open mic, it's jokes. Cause that's how I figure out my jokes. It's only jokes. But if I'm doing a booked show, I'm going to do crowd work mixed with jokes. Cause that am, I love crowd work. I think it is. The most fun thing to do and stand up, and it's I think it's really hard to follow, and you can like re- you can really fuck up a room for everybody else. It's great. <laughs> you, you really, dude. There's something about crowd work where like if you go in and you're doing a really shitty bar room where no one's paying attention, crowd work usually works better than regular material. And dude, there are times where you can go into a show and you can whip a crowd into a frenzy through crowd work and be extremely hard to follow because the crowd is just like at this thing where they're just like, we just want you to talk to us. And you can really, you can really fuck it up for other people if they don't know how to like uh, reel the audience uh, uh, back in, <laughs> but it happens. I love it.
0: No, um, I've been, I, sh- I struggle at times, most times with crowd work, um, which sucks. Cause like when I'm hanging out with my buddies and like cutting it up, I feel like I'm, Hilarious. That's why, you know, pursued stand-up comedy. But there's some sort of like, there's some sort of like barrier that I put up. I talked about it the other day. It's like I put on like a customer service voice sometimes, yeah. especially when I'm hosting shows. Especially yeah. when I'm hosting. And
1: shows. I get that because you can put out like a host vibe, but like when I'm hosting, I like to do crowd work, um, depending on the room I'm in, just to get people in a good mood. But just like there's just something about it that I think my sets go better when I do it because the type of crowd work I do is I'm not I'm not a mean comic at all. Like I'm not like, like if I'll deal with a heckler if I have to, but in general, I'll make fun of someone in the audience a little bit then make fun of me. It's always really playful. We're having a good time. I want them in on the joke with me. But like with crowd work, man, it's just, you can make such a unique uh, experience. And I like being able to be like, getting people's names while doing crowd work because now I'm friends with that person and I can interact with them the way that I interact with my normal friends. Cause I agree. I think a lot of comics are funny with their friends, but a lot of times they'll get on stage and they lose that ability to make these people their friends. And, to, and that's, if I had to say what my act is, it's making people, my friends and just letting them in. It's like hanging out with a, with a dude you grew up with. That's what I like to do.
0: Okay. All right. You got me thinking on um, my approach now.
1: Yeah, try and more. you don't have to do it, man, because it's like I can't write one-liners. I'm not a one-liner comic. I fucking tried it. That shit's fucking hard. I does it's not a dude. When I first started, there was and I saw, watched watch Jesselnik. I was like, I'm gonna see if I can write kind of dark one-liners and just see if I can do it. And it was six months, and at the end of six months, I had five minutes of material and I was like, fuck this. I'm not working six months to get five minutes of one liners that work half the time. My brain doesn't work like that. Some people it do. And I think those people are brilliant. So I suggest everybody try everything, try crowd work, try bits, try stories, try one liners, find what makes you comfortable, what helps you relate to the audience. And I'm a, I'm a bits and crowd work guy. I love bits and I love crowd work. I love having a topic and then talking about it for four or five minutes because it's less that I have to remember.
0: Yeah, and if, and if all that works for you, then hell, mesh it all together.
1: Yeah, for real.
0: Just tag it correctly. Use your misdirections and whatnot. I feel like yeah, pun, puns is something I feel like I have to throw out of my toolbox. I feel like I feel like I'm not allowed to like do puns. Like people, like if a girl does a pun, it's okay. Or if like I don't know that like people expect like a story or like some like uh, messed out lsd tail or some shit for me yeah from
1: your vibe if i saw you doing puns i'd be like is this a bad trip like what is fucking happening <laughs> i need i want to hear this guy talk about going to the string cheese incident show like that's what i want to hear this guy
0: <laughs> <laughs> talk about widespread <laughs> and
1: i don't i uh i don't know man i um i do i do get what you're saying i'm not a big pun guy i have like i have written one pun And I do it in my act, but like when I do it in my act, there's always like, I just say, it's the best pun I've ever written. You better like that. Paige Campbell's a very good comic. He has a lot of puns in his act. I think when you do puns, you have to do a lot of them and you have to fucking beat it into each other, like into people's skulls. Like Paige has this joke about dolphins and dolphins getting high by eating puffer fish. And there is like a one and a half minute, part of the bit where he just does like eight or nine puns in a row and it's impossible to not laugh at it because it's so many puns you're like he's definitely done You're like fuck another one i didn't see that one coming god damn it because people don't want to admit that that puns are fun like people don't want to admit that because they're fucking stupid but they're fun and that's what it is So so if you got puns i say fucking try just throwing as many at people as you possibly can about beating them into submission Uh, or talk or play up the fact, or like, have you ever tried playing up the fact that you don't look like somebody that would be doing puns? I mean, like, cause that's, cause I do get that vibe. If you got up and did puns, I'd be like, I don't fucking, I didn't sign up for this, man. (laughs) (laughs) This is not what I agreed to. (laughs) No,
0: I've never tried that, but I've been thinking of ways to try to like make fun of the at least stuff that I've been deeming for myself as like hacky lately that like I shouldn't be performing. I'm like, all right, but it's still, I still feel this is intelligent material. This is funny. So how can I like present it in a way that I'm like making fun of it or something? Or
1: that's fair. I think that, uh, I think everybody eventually gets to a point where they struggle with like what is and is not hacky to them. And that's why it's really important. I think to surround yourself with comedians that will check you. Um, like, Chris, Page, my friend Alex Castane, uh, I got a bunch of other comics, too, that are just like, if I do a joke and they've heard someone do that before, uh, they're pretty good about, because I'm pretty good about making sure I don't do shit that I've heard before. Like, if you do something and they're like, ah, maybe, you know, that might be a little hacky, just having people around you, because a lot of times you just don't know, because you're just in that mode of writing, 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 and, like, I've been a lot better about being able to pick it up now that I'm in year five of comedy. But when I started the most important thing about me while I was figuring out what my taste is, um, is just having someone be like, like Chris just kind of checking you. Like I've heard someone kind of do that premise before. So-and-so has this joke. Uh, you're on the right track though. Cause like Andrew Schultz has this joke. He's a great, like a great comic. So your, your mind's going in the right way and just, and having someone that like kind of checks you like that. Cause I get it. Cause I, cause no one wants to be a fucking hack and I don't think I'm a hack, but, but like it is a nightmare of anxiety every time. Just like, fuck, does anyone have this joke? This feels like it's too easy.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely have moments like that too, or times where it's like, I, cause you know, I'll rewrite my jokes a lot because I'm trying to work out different sets and different sequences and stuff like that, or just different wordings. Um, so there's, gets to point sometimes when I'm like, I've written it so many so many times it feels like I've stolen it from someone.
1: Yeah, that can happen. For sure.
0: You look like you're hosting MTV's headbanger's ball, but yeah, I am man. It's like,
1: what's up coming up next? Then Lizzie. Um, um, <laughs> you guys. <laughs> what's up, guys? Coming up next to the screen. You guys fucking ready for some white snake? Hell yeah. Uh <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, that's, did you grow up in Virginia, Winston?
1: Yeah, man. I grew up um, in Cartersville, Virginia, but went to high school in elementary and middle school in Farmville, Virginia, went to college in Blacksburg at Virginia Tech, and then uh, moved like outside the, the Richmond area for the past, since I've gotten out of college. So I've lived like in Goochland County for like the past eight years. And yeah, so I, I love Virginia. I think it's great. Uh, I definitely think growing up in a rural area, going to college and then coming back to Richmond to do comedy, I think I have a pretty unique perspective as far as, like, being a woke country guy but not fucking shitting on people from the South and not trying to, like, shit on Southern accents and stuff.
0: (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, Where's your favorite place to do comedy?
1: Oh, man, that's tough. Like, the DC Improv is a great club. My home club is the Richmond Funny Bone. Uh, The Improv's great. That's probably the best club I've ever worked um, as far as, like, the audience is usually – it just feels like an honor to work there. Big Hunt in DC is really good. But as far as Richmond goes, um, Busky Cider's the best show. The audience comes out for that. It's fucking packed. I've had like some really good sets there. the um, type of room where like if you bring good jokes, you're gonna get good feedback. People always follow you on social media afterwards. Um, the venue's really supportive. So non-comedy club best room I've ever worked is busky cider and I've done it like six or seven times. I'm really going to, I'm going to miss that room a lot. It's great.
0: Okay. Okay. I met you at hard times. That was my uh, home club. I think, uh, I think my favorite place that I've done comedy was uh, Joker's laugh lounge in Augusta, Georgia.
1: Okay. Hell yeah.
0: Everybody just had like a certain willingness to laugh there. Like everybody came there wanting to laugh It was literally a comedy club, so it wasn't like going to a bar.
1: That's dope, man. Yeah, and sometimes you'll get that, man. Sometimes it'll be the perfect storm of, like, you'll do an open mic, and there's only a few people there, but the comics are in a good mood for some reason. Everybody is, like, it's a good mix of people doing new material. You got a good mix of good comics. And then, like, you'll just be killing it, man. Like, just having, like, the vibe, like, the energy of a show that's just like, this is fucking amazing. Like some yeah. of the best shows I've had have been at fucking open mics where we're just being silly and having fun and running the light a little bit because it's not a lot of comics there or trying something new and, and different. But like as far as like just doing a set, Busky's where it's at, man. That place fucking rules. Carlton no, Catalo have, runs that room. Uh, who runs the room? Carlton Catalo Carlton. or Cotalo. I can't. I, I, he goes by Carlton K, so I don't know how to pronounce his last name but um but he's a super nice great dude he's like a newer comic he's been doing it like a year a little over a year but he books good comics he's very fair he takes care of his comics and just one of the just one of the genuinely nice people in comedy in richmond i i, I really i like that dude a lot
0: now when you're when you're cutting it up with uh with your comedian pals before your before your set that's that's when you really get in the zone. That's when you get in the in the pocket.
1: Yeah, it's fun, man. Especially if you, like, come in and you're just, like, you got a bunch of good lines off the bat and you're, like, busting. Because I love, I love busting balls, man. That's my favorite part of doing comedy. You just come in, you're busting everybody's balls, you're getting good jokes out, and then you're just in the zone of where you're just, like, I'm, I have a mantra that I say every time I before I get on stage, and I just get in the mindset of just, like, yep, this is going to happen. We're going to have fun. going to fucking bring as much heat as I could possibly bring. And just, like, really have a good time. I do better when I'm having fun. Like, that's another thing. Smiling and just having a good time on stage. People just kind of fuck with what you're doing. And they can tell that you're there to have a good time. And that's all I'm there for, man. It's a job, but it's a job where I'm, like, fucking, I like having fun, man.
0: That's uh, good advice is to just have fun. But uh, another piece of good advice is to smile. Kenny Wingle told me that to just, no matter what,
1: smile. (laughs) Just smile. Cause it's sometimes where you'll say some fucking, especially when you're working out a joke, you'll say some sideways shit. And if you don't smile after you say it, it just looks like you mean that. And it's just like, but if you smile with like a little bit of a shit eating grin, you're just like, I'm fucking kidding, man. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm kind of dumb. And it just like can sell the whole joke. I just also smiling's fun, man. I I like to smile. It's a good time.
0: (laughs) Smiling is a good time. Smiling's a good
1: time, man. Like I, it's,
0: now I'm, convinced, now I'm convinced you're a comedy robot now that you <laughs> made that statement. All, all of your answers have been so precise and just well put out and analytical. And then you were like, smiling
1: is fun. Dude, it <laughs> is, man. It's not, I, I don't know anybody that's been smiling and been like, I'm having a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, like, it's a good time, man. Fucking smiling's good. Have you ever had times where you wanted to be pissed
0: off, but you something made you smile, and you're like, God damn it,
1: (laughs) fuck! I was like, I'm like, I'm in the zone to be mad, but this incredibly ridiculous thing has happened, and I can't, dude. It's usually like, it's almost always when I've had a bad set. So like, I'll have a bad set, and like something will happen, or I've got like some interpersonal shit going on with something that's not comedy related, and it's affected my set, and I'm fucking mad and pissed, and then my friend will go up. And either they'll bomb incredibly hard or they'll do something that's hilarious. And I'm just like, fuck, I can't even be fucking angry at this show because my friend is killing and you just can't help it. So you have to store that anger for later. Before you get home yelling in your car on your hour-long drive home from bombing.
0: Angry writing in your notebook like the comedy Unabomber
1: yeah dude I just fucking uh, my my thing was like I lived so far away from the venues that my ride home after sets would be like 45 minutes to an hour so it would just be me riding home listening to the set like just making myself furious just being furious for an hour ride home so that by the time I get home I'm just like over it like that I would just get myself as angry so I'm just like screaming in my car like why <laughs> the fuck would you say that God damn! <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I need to film my sets more.
1: Um. Yeah, audio record or filming. Audio recording is pretty huge. I, I didn't used to believe in it, but it's a, I audio record every set and I only listen back to the best sets. Sets where when I get off stage, I remember, oh, I tried something different. I have to go. And the absolute worst sets. Those are the only three. Everything else, I probably listen to 90. Per, I don't listen to 90% of them, but the 10% where you're... Where because there'll be times where you riff something on stage and you'll just be like, oh, my fucking God, I'm, I'm not going to remember this, but I got to go back. Like, that's the way that wording needs to be. Or you right. bomb so hard that you're just like, I got to fucking depressed and feel sad and, like, feel as bad as possible about this. Or, dude, I'm a firm believer in, like, there's times where you kill so hard and comedy is so difficult that you just kind of need to, like, listen to a really good set. And remember all the positive things you did and try to bring that to your next set. Right.
0: Remember, that's one of the main things that I try to do whenever I have a bad set is reflect on the times that I've, at least that I've felt like I've killed, you know, that I've had really good sets.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And just like growing from bombs. That's what's important. Everybody bombs. I've bombed really hard before. And then I felt awful. And then just trying to be like, no, these are the things I learned from this set. This was productive. If a set's productive, I'm happy. And then also, like, there's times where, like, if you're doing, like, a book show and the audience is shit and you're doing your best material and it's not working, sometimes that'll, like, fuck with your head and make you think that you're fucking don't know what you're doing. But Craig Ferguson had a great quote. I love great comedy quotes. Craig Ferguson has a great one. Someone asked him, like, what do you feel like when something bombs? And he's just like, I think fuck them because the numbers are on my side. If it works nine out of ten times, uh, the one out of ten is who's wrong not the nine out of 10 and just remembering that and, and realizing that like jokes can get better. You can always grow with your comedy uh, and just not let, let the bad sets change you for the better, but don't let them like discourage you because they discourage me a lot, but you just got to fucking fight against that shit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're going to learn from your mistakes and hell. If you're feeling discouraged, dive into that. Put, like I said, pour it into your notebook. That's sometimes that's when I have the best writing sessions is when I'm feeling down.
1: Oh, absolutely, dude.
0: Um who are some of your biggest influences? What what time do you gotta go, Winston?
1: I've probably got I probably got like another five or ten minutes left before we gotta finish setting up here, if that's cool.
0: No, yeah. Just give me some of your biggest influences and then really tell people how they can find you. Um Hell yeah.
1: This was fun, man. Hopefully, um I would this love to super
0: come knowledgeable.
1: Yeah, I would love to come back and like um just shoot the shit and uh, tell stories and bust balls and stuff like that but this was cool to be able to just kind of like talk comedy man thanks for having me
0: yeah yeah definitely man I think I think what I need to do is start having those what I want to have podcasts like that because I wanted to be more like that too I wanted to be like bust balls and shit I mean I also wanted to get to know you because I've never really like chatted with you and shit like
1: that yeah outside of like small conversations and then like just like encouraging things through facebook messenger i don't think we've ever this is the longest conversation i think we've ever had so
0: right 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 yeah, yeah not to say that i've never you know hit you up or we've t- yeah know. yeah
1: no no i get what you're saying yeah no it's uh, i totally get that it's, it's different it's different having a one-on-one like hour-long conversation and like actually getting to know somebody no i totally I, I totally get it man um yeah i'm i'm down for you know i would love to come back whenever you'll have me this was this is super fun you gotta this is, this is a good I enjoyed talking about comedy. I was in the mindset of wanting to talk about whatever you wanted to talk about. And when you went down the let's talk about comedy route, it just kind of every now and then it feels good to like wax poetic because I'm not usually this pretentious, uh, but it just feels good to do.
0: Right. Yeah. I I really wanted to, you know, I wanted to get to know you. I wanted to talk comedy, but I really wanted to just be free flowing and cut up like I didn't have any questions written down. The only Well, you
1: asked some good ones, man. Not only you, you pulled some good comedy questions out of the ether. If you didn't have any of them, fucking everyone that's like watching. This is just like, this is the least funny fucking episode of this goddamn podcast. And no, so got- I do a
0: lot that are like this, man. It's not, it's not supposed to be like, uh, you know. I can't wait
1: to read. If there's any comments that are just like, who the fuck is this dude? <laughs> For the love of God, Scott, I'll never go, go see him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as far as influences go, I've got a pretty wide berth of people that I really fuck with. Uh, I think I have a pretty unique style on stage. Like, I don't think there's a lot of people that kind of do what I do energy-wise and writing-wise. But, like, I love Nick Swartzen, Norm MacDonald. Um, I used to love Sinbad when I was growing up. He was, like, the first comic I really fucked with and liked. Uh, um, like uh, Louie was really influential uh, when I was coming up. Burr is amazing. Uh, I've tried to like Kathleen Madigan, Taylor Tomlinson, Maria Bamford. I used to love Cedric, the entertainer, Steve Harvey. I, I have like, I had like a Jeff Dunham phase when I was younger. I am not pretentious about who I like at all. I'll listen to anybody uh, whether it's a hacky road dog comic or a really weird alt uh, person like Eddie Pepitone's new album and special that's out right now is my, it's my favorite one of the year. It's fucking so funny and so good, but there's a lot. I love comedy. So I, I fucked with Dane Cook. I liked Dane Cook a lot uh, when I was in high school and was influential to me as far as like energy and just having a good time on stage. And I've kind of evolved out of that and that's not what I fuck with, but I'll never say fuck that person. Cause it's like fucking yeah. they're doing good, man. Who gives a you, shit.
0: You can still pull out like the big energy or extreme physicality in like small, very small doses.
1: Yeah, for real. I like but I, but I like a lot of those guys, man. It's it's uh I, I don't think I'm defined by one major influence, which I think is lucky for me. But I grew up watching the Comedy Central Presents when I was in freshman in college, all of the Comedy Central Presents, the half-hour specials, were on Netflix. So I watched Every single one hundred and something fucking half hours and just like enjoying those comics that really might not have made it or they were just on the road doing stuff. And like, I've been lucky to work with some of those people, which is like fucking insane. Um, but yeah, man, I love I, I pretty much like everybody. Like as far who as like, the,
0: who are some of the favorite people that you've worked with or biggest names you've worked with?
1: Uh uh, I mean, I've been lucky in that, like I've gotten to do something in front of Mark Norman before, um, John Witherspoon before he passed away was really cool. I got to host for him. There's been like a, there's been like a bunch of people, nothing too crazy. Taylor Tomlinson, I got to work with, which was really neat. Um, like, uh, I've got to hang out with like Joe List and Sam Morril and, 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 cool and cool people like that. Not like we're super good friends or anything, but just being in the same room as them being on the same show as some of them. It's just, it's just a really cool, it's a it's it didn't go to my head and make me big-headed or anything and think i'm better than i am but it's one of those things where it's like i just view it as like man this is really validating that this club was like this is someone who could be on the same stage as this person right that that
0: that is validating it's encouraging and you deserve it you're you're that talented winston
1: thanks man i really appreciate that but um if people liked this um, or they didn't, uh, I guarantee you can follow me at Instagram and Twitter at Winston H. Comedy. I've got WinstonHodges.com, which links to everything. Um, I've got Dead Dead Comedy Pod. I have Host Battle. I have the Winstmas Games. I've got every. I got my 50-50 show. If you add me on Facebook, just Winston Hodges, my fan page, I post literally everything that I'm doing. You can find my Instagram and all that shit, but... Thanks for having me, Scott. This was really fun. I had Dude, a good of time, course, man. Winston. Are you going to come up on uh, on Thursday for the open mic? I don't know if I can this Thursday, but I am going to try. I'm going to try to come up Thursday because I think it will be pretty fun.
0: Every Thursday this July, so if you can make it up.
1: Absolutely, man. Well, I'm going to head out here and get set up, but thanks so much for having me, Scott.
0: Dude, thank you for doing this, Winston. You have a good night, brother.
1: You too, man. Talk to you soon. Bye. Boy, Mike, yo, Winston Hodges. Good cap.